All right, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you today, and I just love Brian's posture. Just come as you are. Just come with all you have. You don't have to be anything you're, you're not, and, and just whatever week, and some of you would, if I said, raise your hand, you had a great week, or like, I had a great week. Some of you raise your hand, and you did not had not so good a week. You're going, not so good a week. Some of you like, a really bad week. But you're here today. You're, you, you made it, and if you're online, we're glad you're connecting with us this way to... to to worship together, to come together. Um, we're human beings that are created in the image of God to be together, and there's something powerful when, when we do that. Uh, so I appreciate Brian coming and leading. You know, it's, it's really neat. Um, as we're part of a, a network of churches, you know, uh, Brian was sharing, he, he and his family started at North Bay right when it opened 20 years ago. Um, and you were, what, two years old? No, you're older than that. Um, but, but you think about 20 years ago, and all God's done through the, the community and church, and then us as a congregation, North Bay launching Blaine a couple years ago, and just seeing things thriving, growing in there. And then to receive back today. Thank you, Brian, for doing that today. And I think you've, if you remember, Brian, maybe last summer you came and shared a message. And so it's just really neat to see how we're all working together, connecting together uh, for that. Um, today, I, we're starting a brand new series today. I'm really excited about it. It's called Once for All, and we'll explain what all that means. Um, but I, I wanted to kind of start us off as we do this. In fact, we've got the notes, that little thing up there. We haven't talked about it much, but if you want them on your phone, you should be able to zap that and get all the notes that are in your hand. Some people like the handwritten stuff. We'll continue to provide for that. But also, you can get that on your phone because you carry your phone a lot, and it's a, it's a cool little message system. You can save your notes and have them with you, especially if you go into small group. What, did I, what was that? You got it right in your hand to do that. So we want to pr provide that for you today. And as we get into this, this little series that we'll start here, and really it's going to take us through Easter. And what I love about Easter is when we, we talk about Easter, it's, it's also spring is coming. How many are ready for some spring? And greater, we're, we're celebrating, we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And so, man, that's, those are good things coming together as we do that coming up. So it's leading us into this and preparing us. And we're, we're kind of going, it's called in the traditional church, the Lenten season. In fact, this Wednesday, Stacy mentioned the community prayer gathering. I don't know if you've been hearing lately, but God is moving across our nation, across our world. Uh, if you've been following a little bit what's happening at Ashbury University in, in, in Kentucky and different campuses, I have a friend that came back from Indonesia who does college ministry, and God is moving in different places. And we're, we're just asking the question, why not here, why not now? Why, not, why, why Lord, you, you can do it over there, and we're celebrating, why not do what you can do here and we just humble ourselves to do that and so why not gather together on Wednesday night for a prayer gathering our, our small group Christianity small group we're, we're actually going to be there those can make it as, as a group we usually meet Wednesday night but we're going to show up there Wednesday night and so I just invite you if you're a person that prays you're a person that believes in intercession why would you not want to come to that <laughs> and so work your schedule whatever you can to be there and be passionate about it if you're like I kind of want to be around other people that are really seeking Jesus, this is a great opportunity to do that. So we're, we're really kind of setting up really a neat season, not just neat, not just tidy little thing we're doing, but believing for a movement of what God can do. And so this series, as we we'll go in the book of Hebrews that we'll be looking at, um, I'm going to start off a question as we do this. And the question is, is somewhat like a little different in, in its nature, but I think it's almost where faith and doubt intersect. And this is my question for us here is this. How big is your Jesus? How big is your Jesus? And 
uh, several years ago, I kind of posed that question, and, and it came out of where my son, when he was in high school, on his dresser, I look in there, and he's got a, he's got a, like a bobblehead Jesus on his, and I was like, that is so sacrilegious, and I'm like, where'd you get that? Well, my friend Logan gave it to me. Now, some of you, if you know who Logan is, it was that Logan, okay? The Logan that was our youth director. He wasn't our director at the time. He was the same, you know, friends, good friends with my, my son. Logan gave him as a, a gift. And I thought, that's just a silly little thing. And I was just, when I thought of that question the other day, how big is Jesus? I, I go, where is that little thing? And I went to his old room, and I realized, oh, my gosh, we turned this into a guest room. There's nothing of his. Like, he's gone, as he's married, you know. But I still looked through some boxes, couldn't find it. And, like, you know what? I'm going to find, I, I want to, you know, there's got to be something out there. And so instead of bobblehead Jesus, I found, I found dashboard Jesus. Yeah. Uh, enlightenment on a spring, it says. And so I was just thinking, dashboard Jesus as sacrilegious I know this is, I was thinking, you know, putting this on your dashboard, hon, what do you think on our car? We want this kind of neat to do this. And you're like, you know, Jesus, we want you to move, Lord, and so you just drive, and he moves in your life. So, very, very cheesy. But in all seriousness of this, this thought is, and, 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 and is, how big is your Jesus? How, how big, I mean, I think, you know, this is, again, silly and kind of sacrilegious, but do you find that you can reduce them to kind of fit for your life and what you want? And I think for myself, I, I go back, I go back, and how did I, how does sometimes, why do I do that? And I think well-intended people might have misinformed me a little bit about how big really Jesus is. See, you know, when I was introduced, and maybe you were introduced as a child, I didn't go to a lot of church things, but I was invited to church camps and different VBSs and different things. And they would pose this question to children was this, you know, you know, do you want to go to heaven or hell? Like, that's a heavy question for a kid. Like, I think heaven, that sounds like a better choice. Well, you need to invite Jesus in your heart. And you prayed a prayer that was like this. It's a prayer we pray and people pray, dear Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, you know, live in me. And it's, there's nothing actually inherently wrong with that prayer. But if you take that prayer down, it can kind of lead to some bad theology a little bit. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus is the one that does the inner work. He has to be in us to work through us. He, transformation does happen from the inside out, not the outside in. You know, we could just try to have behavioral modification. It's not going to work. There has to be something within. But if we, if we really think about that and, and, and take it down a, a, a ways, we're kind of almost trying to make Jesus kind of fit in our life what we want him to be. It's really bad theology, and it's very discouraging because if you grow up, pretty soon the little, the little Jesus, the little, the little Bible story felt graph Jesus, felt board Jesus, the, the little cartoon Jesus, the little versions, these many Jesuses, they don't really fit in the big bad world that we live in. He just doesn't. He, he doesn't. If we're trying to commonize, make him fit into our world and what we're doing. And, and, you know, what happens is, I've seen this a lot, is when people grow up, they, they kind of feel like they outgrew Jesus. Like, you know, he was there, and he's cute, and he's this great little Bible story that maybe happened a long time ago, but he doesn't really relate with my life. He doesn't really, he doesn't really fit in my adult world that I live in. He's really not big enough, especially the, the, the problems and things I'm going through. So I'm asking this question, how big really is your Jesus? 
See, the answer to that question is really how you live your life. If you believe the, the minister cites Jesus to accommodate your life, he, he kind of turns into more of a good luck charm. It's just something around our neck that we hold to and we look to. And, and, and we, you know, we pray, Jesus, help me with my problem. Give me advice on what to do. I need you to help me in this. And, and, and you've done this. Pray, Jesus, help me with the tasks and what I'm going. And we kind of just want to make him fit what we want and what we want to do. And he comes a little bit of like a pocket size, a little, you know, little bean that we carry around and we reduce it down. And so what this is the challenge is, how big is your Jesus? Like, I want him to fit in my life and what I need to do and what I'm accomplishing. And then yet you find like, oh, he's not very powerful then. But if you really want the Jesus that's bigger and more powerful and incredible, then that becomes a problem to you because he doesn't fit into what you want to do. And he'll do things differently. Can you believe this? He'll do it differently than you want him to do. That's not how I want it. That's not, I want you to fit. You, here's the thing, you can't have both, can you? And that's a tension that we, we live in, in our lives. And so we have to be careful because if we try to make the, we, we accommodate our lives, what we want, and we have a pocket-sized Jesus, we don't claim to be idol worshipers, but that's what we end up turning into. An idol isn't something that we worship. An idol is something that we create and shape for us, in fact, who we worship is ourselves, don't we? More than we worship, not the little Jesus, but the big, the big Jesus that we really need. So you're not careful. Pocket Jesus can, you know, put on your dash of life and drive it down. And he's like, there's just, we've minimized him so much. And so many Jesus is, is fine for Sunday school and VBS and, and try to explain and, you know, who Jesus is. But sometimes when we get in the big, difficult world, it's really difficult. Like, God, are you big enough? Are you big enough for my problems? Are you big enough for my difficulties? Are you big enough for loss? I just talked to a friend who lost their, their son here this week, and, and we know some others are struggling with the pregnancy, and there's, there's people in, the, in maybe your week and your difficulties and aches and pains and problems and everything. Lord, are you big enough? Are you big enough to handle it in this complexity of our world that we're in? And so our, this mini religious Jesus, we've got to figure out, no, that's, there's, there's a real bigger Jesus that's there and it's available. And that's really what the book of Hebrews is, is about this morning. Uh, we're going to jump into to, to, to understand that he's bigger and, and greater and, and could do more than we even can dream, even we imagine. And he's done it. All he's done is once for all. And that's the whole, really, the whole book is really about how big our Jesus truly is. Is. And so I want to introduce you to the plan that we're going to do this. And we've done this for, boy, last few years, a few seasons of, of, uh, of growing season. And, and so what we have today available as we start this series is, is a thing we call our growth guides. And uh, Chris isn't here today. Chris put this together and did a lot of different things. Stacey, I love the little state, you know, the stage change and everything. A lot of work's going to say, hey, we're launching this, this series today. And the way this is going to work is, it's just a rhythm that we have with it, is we take our growth guide and we work on it individually during the week. And then we gather here on Sunday morning, talk about what we read together. And then we meet in groups in, in the next week. That's our rhythm to go through our growth guide, study it, maybe discuss it with a few people if you're in a family, and then come to, the, to our gathering here on Sunday morning and then be able to say, God, what are you speaking to us collectively? And then go and practice it in our, in, in our group. And so, and talk about your group and then going into a practice of it. So you can look through on the way out. Our team will give you one. If you're a small group leader and you look around like, oh, wow, there's some of the people in my small group not here today, please take a few with them, with you to, you know that they would want one to get during the week. And so the, the goal this week is to get this in your hands and begin to read. In fact, this week, start with chapter, or, uh, week one 
and you can just start reading, and today's an introduction, so you're, you're, not, you're not catching up. You're actually, next week we will talk about one and two again. Uh, so you read it, and I love how we designed it. We have your head, your heart, and your hands. And so you're hearing God's word with your brain. You're listening to it. How does it impact you personally? And then what are you going to do with it? And, and so you can think of some ideas, and then there's some group times, and you share about those experiences. But also, there's a place that says spiritual practice. And we want to invite you to practice what you're, what's being preached, to actually experience some things in, in a maybe, a, maybe in an organized way. And so in the back of the guide here are different spiritual practices that you can do. There's confession, lecto divina, daily rhythm, breathing prayers, different prayer, uh, reading scripture, communion, practicing Sabbath, celebration. So there's a list of them there that you can use. And, and actually engage the Lord in a greater way. That's our hope as we do that. So on the way out, We'll uh, give you one as we do. So here we go, Hebrews. Hebrews is an interesting book, and and, and I can't. I'm trying looking back in other books in the Bible. This is one of the one, one of the books that people really don't know who the author is. Some say the Apostle Paul. Some others say Paul. Some different people, different apostles there. And, and and really, there's no there's really no evidence. All we know is this of the author is in chapter two that we'll look at next week is the the author had a relationship with some of the apostles that were with Jesus. So they were friends with those of those the original 12. And so we understand that the, it's anchored in the apostles' teaching, and we also, as we're going to go, it's ritually involved in the Old Testament symbols and rituals and, and traditions of that. So when you read it, you're like, wow, this is like referring back to the, the, the Old Testament the, the, in the Bible. And so that person that wrote it, probably a guy, wrote it, was, was actually steeped in, the, in Judaism to, to, to express what it is. And that really bleeds into who he wrote it to and to a Jewish Christian audience. And so the, 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 the audience was people that grew up in Judaism and then realized as Jesus came and was resurrected and the church grew, they accepted the gospel and then they ended up believing Jesus to be the Messiah and so they left their traditions of Judaism to follow Christ. Well, with that came persecution. Already the Romans were persecuting because there's this movement called the church of Jesus moving through and they're trying to squash and control it. That was happening one end, but for these Hebrew Jewish Christians, guess what? They're feeling it from their friends and their family. Like, you're abandoning your traditions. You're you're apostate. You're not following God anymore. You're following this Jesus, this Messiah. And so they were persecuted. And so this letter is written to the persecuted church of of the Jewish people that were scattered through the providence of Asia Minor, as well as through the Mediterranean. So there wasn't like one church it was written to. This, this letter was circulated to people going, hey, don't abandon, you're, you're, you're abandoning you're, you're, you're your, your traditions, yes, but there's a richness to make it sense of why you are doing that, why you're turning to Jesus and the fulfillment of Jesus, that he is bigger and better than anything else that your traditions held 
to before about God. And so with that, I think we need to realize is that we can relate with that a little bit. We, you're like, how do we compare ourselves to the culture today? And in, in all the world, there is persecution. I don't think we're in a persecuted culture now. But understand is that we, because what was happening was, that so much persecution was happening that it seemed in what the author is writing is that some of the people were falling away. They were actually leaving the faith or going backwards back into Judaism. And, and he's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Persevere. Get through. Jesus is greater. Jesus is bigger than anything or anyone. And that will be emphasized throughout the book. I think we can relate with that as we've gone through the pandemic. We look around and we're like, what happened to that person? Where did they go? When, when pain and persecution and, and struggles come in in the world, where is our faith? And, and that's really the encouragement the Hebrew writers say, don't give up. Things are tough. Things are difficult. But my version of Jesus is not a little, little mini Jesus. It is the big Jesus that we worship and that we understand. And, that's, and, 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 to, and to seek after. And that's really, what, as we read through the book of Hebrews, we're going to find that, that being the case. We're going to find how, how the Hebrew writer just describes Jesus in such detailed ways in, in this Old Testament expression. And, and as we go through it, some of you are going, I don't know what this means. I don't understand this. Well, that's a great opportunity for you to talk with others about it in your small group. Also, we're providing a, a landing page on our website. So you go to ctk.church. North Bay, and then it's, it's Hebrews. There's a landing page, and it has some resources there. And one of those I had posted this week is the Bible Project, an overview of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. I encourage you to watch that, or just Google it on YouTube, Bible Project he Hebrews, and it's a 10-minute video just explaining the book of Hebrews a little bit. So you get an overview. So today I'm kind of doing that for us here, but specifically, I want to get right to this introduction that the Hebrew writer gives. Now, I don't know how you enter a pool. Uh, how many of you, or, and this could be in your past, but let's say when you're kids, like it was time to go swimming. How many just dove into the pool? Come on, you dive right in, okay? How many would even back then you would, you would kind of, you would like kind of wade in or tiptoe in? Okay, guess what? The Hebrew writer here, I know it's not the apostle Paul that wrote this because Paul would write letters like, Greetings in the name of the Lord. I, I want you to know how much I love you and all this. And he expressed some personal things. And then he would get into to what he was writing about. The Hebrew writer just dives head first. <laughs> he doesn't, no niceties, no anything. And so he starts off with this. He says in chapter 1, 1, uh, Hebrews 1, 1, it says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets as many times in various ways. And these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. One of the things that the number one question I heard over and over during the pandemic was this. Pastor, are we living in the last days? Are we in the last days? And my answer is, yes. Oh no, we're in the last days. Well, what did, what did Peter, when he got up at the day of Pentecost, said? He says, you know, in, the, in these last days, God has, you know, poured out his spirit on all mankind. That was 2,000 years ago, Okay. We're still in the last days, 2000? Yeah, look at the timeline of history. We're still in the last days. Are we getting in the last, last days? Yeah, each and every moment. We're getting closer to the end of the last days. So, but what is referencing here is that the last days is referring to this season that we're in, and he was speaking it to the very people there 2,000 years ago. But there was also the old days. These are different than the days before. He was saying to this, things have changed. The Old Testament days were 
they, he spoke through the patriarchs, the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David. Those, and then he spoke to prophets. And prophets were not only predictors of the future, but prophets were used in the Old Testament. You read Isaiah and Jeremiah and, and some of the ma major and minor prophets. They were there to serve as a warning to the people. Hey, if you continue on and doing this and, and worshiping not the, the, the real God, but a, an idol, guess what? It's going to be a problem for you. You can't continue because there is going to, you're going to get disciplined. I love you so much, but you can't continue this way. And then they would not listen. And what would happen? And the consequences, they would get invaded by another nation and they would be in bondage and in slavery. And then they get freed because they cried out to God, God, help me, help me, help me. And God comes to the rescue and they're doing really good. And then they go back and they worship, you know, again. And the cycle continues on and they help me, help me, help Jesus and get through it. And does that sound familiar to anybody you know in, in your life, you know? And that's what was happening. But here in this new thing, he says, in the last days, God, God is speaking through his son, the son, the one and only son. Now, the question for you is, how is God speaking to you today? How is he speaking to you? Through his son. It's the same thing. We're still in the last days. It's, that's the answer. Through his Holy Spirit, and it's confirmed through the followers of Jesus, the church, because we don't hear God alone, by the way. You're like, I just need, to, I just need, it's just Jesus and me. And Jesus would be saying to you, no, that's not how it works. You are to be the part of the body of Christ to grow together. And so God can use people to speak to you, through, through them to you, yes, but you're, that's, not, that, that's not the only source. That's a confirmation. He speaks through his son to make revelation. His ways, his thoughts, his power. And he is no mini dashboard kid version Jesus. Here, here's our truth for today of this. The real Jesus is bigger than all we could ever need and believe him to be. The real Jesus, the real one, the big one, is, is, he, is a, what, a, what, he, could, he is what we ever need and believe him to be. There, there's nothing more than that and to, to believe in that and beyond what we can believe. So that's the work of the book, book of Hebrews. And when we get into this first few verses, it's almost this formal dissertation that that the Hebrew writer is putting out. In fact, if we look at these verses, they actually are a summary of the entire book of, the, of who Jesus really is. These beautiful expressions that we're going to look at here this morning before we leave and launch into this as we go. So here it is. Chapter 2 says, who, who spoken through his son the last days, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom all also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for, for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Now, you read through the rest of chapter 1, which you'll get to read this week, and you'll find that's a lot. It's talking about Jesus is bigger and better than angels. And he is. He's no angel. Uh, and I'm not dissing angels, okay? We need angels, and you're like, how do they all work? Or you know, are they in the outfield or in the infield? And that's, that's a bad 80s movie joke there. So where are the angels, right? Uh, but angels have a place and all that. But he's saying, no, I'm doing you better. I'm doing something bigger. I am coming as my very self to you. That's really what the Hebrew writer's trying to, to communicate. 
But here's the thing. Let's stop for a moment as we reflect on this big Jesus described. How does people just describe Jesus in our culture today? What's the conversations maybe you're having? I think there's like somewhat respect of Jesus, of his historical fingers, somewhat of he's out there, but there's not so much relevance for people today. I think a lot of people would say, at least in my generation, a little bit older, like, yeah, I heard about the kid version of Jesus. I, I had a storybook, and, you know, my mom would read me at bedtime. I, I went to Sunday school sometimes. I went with that friend to youth camp, and I, I heard about Jesus. I kind of know about Jesus, but I, I don't really, you know, it's just not really, it's just kind of not really relevant to my life. And they're like, no, you're missing the whole, all of it, how big Jesus is. And so the question I really think the Hebrew writer is saying is, Jesus big enough? Is he? And you're like, heck yeah, he is. But how do you know that? How do you know that he is? Uh, well, there's some unique things that are described in that. So if you're taking notes, let's just look at those. Let's just break them down. The real, bigger, and better Jesus. This, this version, the real version. Well, we need to understand this in his uniqueness. He's unique in his authority. He is unique. Jesus is unique in his authority. I don't know if... You, you're younger, you baby, maybe recently you babysit kids, maybe you babysit someone else's kids. Have you done that before? And then you're like, hey, uh, you can't do that. You're, you, that, that. you need to clean that up, you know, before, you know, and then and the kid, the little kid goes, you're not my boss. <laughs> oh, and you know, he's like, ah, you know, I just, you know, there, there's this moments, okay, you, you, you know, you're like, no, I'm not, I'm not, you know, and so like, I can't wait for my parents to get home, you know, and, 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 and I, I think sometimes as big kids, we, we kind of do that with God, we're like, God, you know, we want to just be our own boss, right, we want to be in control of our lives, and, and some of you own your own business, and one of the reasons, like, you want to be your own boss, and then you realize, oh, like, no, I have, like, hundreds of bosses, they're called customers, right, and so it changes little bit. And the reality is, whether you get some freedom to be your own boss in, in what you do, being your own boss in your life really sucks, doesn't it? It's really difficult. I, I, if I try to be my own boss, I am horrible. I'm the mean, horrible boss. I'm the worst ever boss because I have a higher standard of myself sometimes than I, I can even live up to. And I think for you sometimes, we're hard on ourselves. And we need to realize that big Jesus, he's the perfect big boss. Hebrew writer expresses this way again, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom all he has made the universe, okay? He, you know, you know of course, we understand if, you're, you know, someone died, like there has to be an heir, right? Well, it's, it's this inheritance. God says, my son's in charge, okay? I'm turning the company over to him and he's in charge. And, and how do we know this? Well, first he made the universe. He, he built it already. Apostle Paul, it's a great parallel passage. Hebrews uh, 1 this week together. It's really good exercise. This is what it says in verse 16. For he in all things were created, things in heaven on earth, invisible and invisible. Big Jesus is eternal. There's no beginning because he was at the beginning. You know, and, and we need to realize this, that the offshoots of Christianity, whether it's Church of Latter-day Saints or Jehovah Witness, maybe you came in some of those traditions and have been a part of it, you need to recognize they're, maybe they're really nice people, but there's some bad theology there. And at the very core is because those of those branches, they, they don't believe, they believe Jesus was a created being. They actually believe that he, was, he wasn't fully God. And that becomes a problem when you get to the cross, that just another human being died, on, died for your sins. 
that's a little version of Jesus. No, Jesus is big. He, he, he is eternal in existence. And I don't know about you, but that's the Jesus I need in my week. I, I needed Jesus was fully God. I needed Jesus. I, he's called the ancient of days when I'm having a bad day. I need to know that he was there at the foundation of the earth. In fact, he created it. He's the one I hold to and look to. And, 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 and it says this, he was appointed heir of all things. Again, heir means that someone, someone died and left you in charge You're, you, if you had an inheritance. Some of you experienced that. You've had it, some relatives die, your parents die, and they, they gave you what was left of theirs. And, and so some of you are like, maybe inherited something very valuable. It was, had great wealth. Or some of you are like, no, I inherited the debt of my, you know, I happened, my mom, she loved me, but she loved the casino a little bit more. And so I had to kind of settle her debts a little bit before there was anything left over and to do that. And, and I love my mom. She was great. She was a spender though. Um, but here's the thing. Whatever is there, it's gonna. It's not just a few dollars of what the inheritance is gonna be, because we're not only. This is cool. Think about it. Is Christ is an heir? Like what's to come and what the what he's building up to what is happening. We're also co-heirs. I love what Romans says. This. We'll jump to Romans eight. It says, "If you are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we might share in His glory." So the, the Hebrew writer is making clear here, listen, you're going through suffering, you're going through difficulty, but it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It will one day, maybe not on this earth, maybe not on the suffering and all you're going through, but there's a hope in this. It will. What? You're going to experience an inheritance. You've heard that. Like, store it up in heaven. Jesus says, store up your treasures in heaven. Not here. It's all going to... All of it typically goes to the dump. Whatever you own eventually ends up there. What's left is our souls. What's left is, is people's souls. There's inheritance ahead. In fact, the Bible says it somewhere, Psalms, it says that, 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 that people's salvations, people's souls are our inheritance. Give us our inheritance. That's what we get to lift up and celebrate for all eternity. So in the suffering comes glory. And then speaking of glory, the Hebrew writer says this. He says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. I don't know when I read that this week. I, I, I got the picture of uh, Clark Kent. You know who Clark Kent is? Clark Kent, the mild-mannered, you know, reporter from the Daily Planet. All of a sudden, they're like, we need Superman. We need help. And, and this guy, I mean, he, it was, he, it, he just wore his long underwear every day, didn't he? And he went in. I never figured out. I got to go back. And, like, they had phone booths that... Most of the phone booths I had, you know, as a kid, they're like, there was windows. That was awkward, the guy. But, you know, he had it under his suit, and he, you know, sometimes, it, you know, the buttons would go, oh, there's, there's an S under there. And I almost pictured Jesus like that. Like, Jesus, you know, he was saying, we've seen songs, he was clothed in humility, right? He's clothed as us. But once in a while, his, his, his glory would shine out a little bit. And they would get, people would get a glimpse of his glory. And I like how, I like how John says it, that, you know, the word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory. And sometimes his glory would, would come out a little bit and we'd see it. And Jesus was so good with it, he would say, oh, it's not about me. I'm putting the spotlight on my father. But it was all about him. <laughs> it was all about him. And he models to us this, this work he's doing. And so what does that mean of inheritance and glory and everything? It's this. It's not about our glory. It's not about what we're doing, not what we're building up. In fact, if you're trying to be the big boss of your life, you're really not great at it, are you? And that's why we need to sign over our will and testament to him. We have to say, 
I, I, Lord, I'm just pushing that over. I, I'm, I'm giving you. Lord, I, you know, my, I'm, I'm a terrible boss in my life. I turn my job over. I slide my marriage over to you. I slide my, my kids, my finance, my stress, my future, my health, all of it. Jesus, be really, really, I know you're really, really big. Please, it's, take it. You're better at this. That your glory then would shine through it. And there we see a greater revelation of, of really who you are, which leads to this. The real Jesus is bigger and better. He's unique in his identity. He's unique in his identity. Uh, you remember, do you guys remember, oh, what was his name? Do you guys remember the name Russell Wilson? Do you remember that? I'm trying to think where he ended up. I don't know if he even plays anymore. Um, but, uh, but Russell Wilson, like in the heyday, right? He was in every commercial. You notice that? Like you flip it on, like he's in Alaska Airlines and he's over here, over here. And he was so busy making commercials that he had to have a double. And you might remember this, but they, they interviewed the double that kind of looked like him, at least from the background, you know, from a distance. The, the guy made $120,000 a year. Like, a decent living. Like, some of you, like, I just quit my job and be Russell Wilson. So here's the task. Find a celebrity that looks like you and offer yourself to them, okay? You, you would take 100, six figures is fine, right? And I, I've all, I say all that is that we need to realize that when 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 Jesus came, he wasn't, he wasn't a stunt double. He wasn't kind of like God. What does it say? The Hebrew writer expresses this way. And he's the exact representation of his being. Not kind of, not a, not, a, not, a, not a junior mini version of God. The exact. There, you, there, you can't get around the word exact. How, is it, how, how, preci how precise? Exact, Okay. And, and it, you emphasize that, and it's in a representative of his being, and this representation is very interesting. It's the word character. So think of it this way. Back in the day when they made coins, they softened the metal. You're thinking, how did they make them? And they, they softened the metal, and then they, they pressed a stamp on them, and they pressed into the metal, and that was called the character. And the character literally was a character. It would be like a, a Roman emperor, and they not just revered the, the emperor, they worshipped him. So on the coin, that was, the, you know, it was some kind of Caesar that was on it. That's what the writer's saying. He's not kind of somebody else. He's the exact representation. When you see Jesus, in fact, Jesus said this, you'll see the Father. Exact, identical nature. In fact, uh, Paul says it this way, parallel in, in Colossians 1. The Son is the image of the invisible God. There's no way around it. That, that he is the very identity of who he is, is, is now the real big version to us. And I don't know about you, but we really need him to be the real version. We need him to be the big version. We need him to be the perfect version. See, I understand that the, the work of the cross would, would be incomplete. The sacrifice of the body would be imperfect. The blood that was shed to wash away our sin would be tainted. We need him to be perfect. And we'll get into the purification here in the moment of what that means. But only God the Son could do it once for all and for all. There's no more sacrifices needed. There's no more work that needs to be done once for all to be done. See, that we, we, when we, if, we, if we put aside the mini version of Jesus is, is where we turn to find strength in one that's beyond us beyond what we can even create. See, the real, the real Jesus is bigger and better because Jesus is unique in his power. You know, it's been a hot debate in this, this last several years on renewable energy. 
At one hand, how many, you know, there's only so many dinosaurs that we could have fossil fuel from, okay? We, get, we can get that part of it. The other hand is, if we plug everything in, where's the power coming from, right? So I, you know, God bless you with your electric car. I'm just not sure how it's all going to work out. Some people smarter will figure that out. But here's the thing in our world of the tension is there's not, at the end of the day, trying to find renewable energy, we need to realize with the Lord, it is renewable. In fact, heaven and earth will pass away. Jesus said, my word will never pass away. Hebrews 13 says this, that we'll get to this passage later in a few weeks, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is sustainable energy. That same word means constant, never changing. Sustaining all things. The word sustaining means holds the weight. So that what that means is this author pictures the sun, the is the active in creation. He's, he's continually interested in what he, in us as, as his created beings. He's onwardly always sustaining. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians, that his grace is sufficient. It's sustaining grace and help for our lives that he provides. And I don't know about you, but the weight of the world seems to crush down on me at times. My, my, I tell you, my little world seems so big sometimes. And I find myself, when I pray then I'm kind of per- turning to little Jesus for that. I'm like, wait a second. No, he's bigger, he's greater. He's, he's, he, the, the burdens, Jesus says, I'm big. I got big shoulders. I want to carry that, that, that yoke yourself to me. Your, my yoke is easy. My burden is, my, my burden is light. Sustainer of all things, listen, by his powerful word. Listen, if you're, if you're trying to go through life on on you and you're trying to get you're going through life on on the feeds you're trying to go through life on on what's here and what's there and what that person's saying good luck it's you're not going to do very good you you need the word of god it is what is renewable energy for you over and over and over again it never runs out his love never fails never runs out never runs out on me isn't that a song we sing over and over over the years that's it that and we have his word on our tablets, on our phones, and in print. And it's the living word of God. It changes us from the inside out. So I don't know what weight you're carrying this week, but big Jesus wants to take it. He is a sustainer. He can carry that weight for our lives. And so turn to his word to find strength and speak truth in your life to give you hope what you have because this finally is this big Jesus you know what he's bigger and better because he's unique in provision that brought completion he's unique in provision that brought completion I haven't, it's been a few years where I've watched like those datelines 2020 exposés but they would I remember one they did a they did a, a thing on uh, hotels and how clean they're supposed to be, like the chain hotels and everything. Oh, we're clean. They put a little note, cleaned and all that. And they decided and said, like, let's just check them out. Let's just take a black light and go through and see how clean they are. I was saying, you know, bodily flu. When they just said bodily flu, I was like, I'm done, okay? I'm like, I'm never sitting on that bedspread again. Like, that's it. Um, and so if you're a germaphobe, don't YouTube any of that. You'll never travel, okay? So here it is. Here it is. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if, if um, someone took a black light through my heart, I wonder what they'd find. Get under it, you know, and here's the thing, no matter you and I, whatever it is, it's there, no matter what you try, you'll never be able to clean up your, your mess. You'll never, there won't be enough comet cleanser, there won't be enough 
you know, religious activities and good things to do, good things that are there to clean your stained and dirty heart. Only big Jesus is the only cleaning agent. Hebrew writer says this, after he provides purification from sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. He's the one that cleanses things perfectly, our hearts once and for all. Once and for all. Now, do we need to go back and cleansing? Yes, I mean, there's, there's, we still sin, even if we're saved. We still have to ask that washing. But he, there's no more sacrifice, and we'll learn that all through Hebrews. There's no other sacrifice need to be made. There's no, there's no, no um, ancient father that's greater. There's no, there's no prophet that's greater. There's no high priest that's greater than Jesus and what he has done. He sat down at the right hand of majesty of heaven. Can I can encourage you again with this? There's no sin too, gr- too great or too gross for him. There's no shame too embarrassing. There's no regret too hopeless. The big Jesus can cleanse you every area and every crevice of your very soul. And he did it and completed that work. When Jesus was on the cross, his very la- some of his very last words were what? It is finished. He is the completer. You're right, the complete work. So much was the complete work. What did he do? He sat down at the majesty of heaven. You sit down when the work's done. He did, and he sat at the right hand of the Father, meaning of honor and of authority. That is big Jesus. And if big Jesus did it all already, what do we do? We rest in that big work that he accomplished. And it's in that place of rest that we find life and we find freedom and we find joy and we find the fulfillment that we have because of what he has already done once for all. I'll invite Brian to come as we close in this final time here together before we go and try to live this out. As, it, as he comes, I, I want to do, uh, I was thinking about, you know, like sometimes for me and just being human, like, this is all good. And like, well, Jesus, how do you want me to land the plane? <laughs> I literally say, Lord, how do you want me to wrap this up? And I remember Tuesday, Valentine's Day, and, and you're just, just sitting there and working on this. And, and, and I, it's kind of hit a moment going, Lord, and, and praying and thinking, like, Lord, how, do you, how can I just show how big you are? Like, I need something, Lord. Give me something. Uh, and, and I just praying, like, I just trying to think about it. And all of a sudden, I, I get a ding in my email. And from Claire in our CTK county, and she had said that someone tags some funds, said that $10,000 was donated to the church to fix up the old building. And, and it was really kind of cool how that happened. Not only, yeah, that's great, because a couple of weeks ago, and in fact, we didn't, we talked about we're going to be faithful here, that God will bring the, the, the increase later, and we're going we're gonna to fix up the kids' space downstairs and do something with the siding in this building, and we're going to fix up this old building in the season we're in. I, and I didn't even say, hey, please give money to it. I, I'm, you rarely hear me do that, because people just do. People just give, and, and it's part of their growth and discipleship and following the Lord. So I didn't expect that. But it was almost Jesus saying, dude, I'm big. I'm big. Let me ask the question as we go to prayer. How big is your Jesus? Some of you are like, 10 grand big? Bigger. It's not about a money thing. It's not about the need thing. He's bigger. He's bigger than anything you could even dream or imagine. And you want him to be big. But here's the trade-off. If you really believe in big Jesus, 
he has to be bigger than you. He has to be, he has to rule and he has to reign and he has to be supreme over your wishes and your desires and your hopes and your dreams. Because he's, if you want him to be big, be superior, superior to, to, to anyone or anything and even any angelic beings as we read through Hebrews, he wants to be that big in your life and he is that big. Will you allow him to be that big in what you're going through and what you're facing? Do you believe in this big Jesus? Because I tell you what, the little Jesus that you try to make him to be, he, he will, he, it won't fit. You cannot get Jesus to fit in your little compartmentalized world and, 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 and fit in your little glove box of your life. It won't work that way. You don't want him to be that way. How, Lord, will you be big in my life? And so I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Letting big Jesus rule and reign and have authority in your life here today. I'm going to challenge you with this. What is so big in, right now in your life that you need Jesus to be bigger? What is it right now? What is the need? And would you be so bold and be so specific with your boldness to the Lord? Lord, I want to be honest with you. My, my health is, is so big in my life. Lord, be bigger. My marriage is so overwhelmingly huge right now and the problems we're facing. Lord, will you be bigger than my marriage struggle? Lord, will you be bigger than my, my, my kids, Lord, and their struggles and all that they're going through? Lord, will you be bigger than my, my job? Lord, will you be bigger than my, my, my fear that I have of the future or, or what, what I have to face this week? Who I have to talk to, Lord? Will you be bigger than a person that I'm struggling to get along with and having to confront? Lord, whatever, Lord, will you be bigger, Lord? Will, Lord, will I allow you to be bigger. John Baptist says this, that I must decrease so he can increase. How do you need to be smaller so he could be bigger in your life now? So I want you to think about that, but I also want to give this opportunity and challenge you with this. If you're here today or you're watching online, and you can let us know in the chat of this, do you need big Jesus to come in your heart to change for him to come, to fit your life, but you would to fit his life. That your big Jesus is inviting you in his life, but he wants to bring the transformation in your heart. He wants to live by his spirit to do the work from the inside out. Do you need big Jesus to be your Lord and to be your savior today? If that's you with heads bowed, eyes closed, I just wanna I invite you just to raise your hand. Do you need big Jesus today? Yes, 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 yes. I see lots of hands for the very first time. Maybe online. Let us know online. Say, say yes to Jesus. And this might be for the first time prayer. Several people raise their hand. You might just need to pray this the first time. This prayer would be like this. Jesus, I want to enter your life today. Lord, I do want you by your spirit to come in and transform my heart. But I confess you as Lord and I believe that you, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Christ was raised from the dead, I will be saved. And so, Lord, I receive your salvation today. Thank you, Lord. If there's people that prayed that prayer, several people had their hands up today, and this is maybe their first time praying or a recommitment, Lord, will you just bless them right now? Will you show your real to them today? 
Lord, you show that you are, you are new to them. And, and it not, in, not that you're, you're the ancient days, you've always existed, but you show your newness by your spirit. Visit them right now. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Give them assurance. You are big. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. And for others here today, and maybe some of them already raised their hand on this, but maybe there's others here that are saying, and here's the twist in it, that God is so big, that Jesus is so real and so big, but he can be very specific in the very microcosm of our soul. He can get to the very issue. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's a, a battle of addiction. Whatever it is, what, something's in your heart. And fear and, and worry, whatever it is, and you think it's so big, and, and yet God can come through his spirit, through Jesus, to touch you right where your need is. Let him do that. Let Jesus be big in you today. God, thank you for the work you're doing, that you are so big and you are so grand. And, and here, Lord, we, we offer ourselves realizing we can't, we can't do anything that's beyond you. And so all we can do is surrender to you today. So we surrender our big problems, our big fears, our big issues, and even maybe our big doubts of you. You're bigger than all of it, Lord. Show yourself in the way and your sovereignty through our lives. And Lord, we lift our prayers of the wishes and the desires, but we lift them to your sovereign will, Lord. But you said you will answer according to your ways and your, your, your will, Lord. And we trust you in that all of it. God, thank you for the hands that were raised, saying yes to Jesus today. Some maybe for the first time and others recommitting. Lord, will you, will you show how real that commitment is and how real you are to them this day? God, thank you, Lord, what you've started to do and began to do and will do. We're excited for what's next. Anticipate your spirit moving. And Lord, thank you for the movement across our nation and in, in colleges and across the world. Lord, why not here? Why not now in this little old building, a little old Birch Bay with us, Lord? It has just begun. And we believe and we trust in that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. And I'm going to tell you, let's give a hand to people that, that really, if you raise your hand, we want to give you a, a clap. God is at work in your life. And so we want to help you with that. On your connection cards in the back, you can write, I made a commitment to Jesus. Let us know. You can drop in the box. Give it to me. In fact, there's people to pray with you after the service on anything. But if you're still feeling, man, I'm just overwhelmed with a big need, let's partner with Big Jesus with you today, together today to do that. On the way out, please don't forget your, your growth guides. Have a great day. Let's sing this together. Thanks, Brian. See you Wednesday at prayer.